You're listening to Love Babs Love Talk on WNHH LP 103.5 FM, your home for community radio. Well, well, well. Look who's back in Connecticut. <laughs> Good morning, Harry Trolls. Okay, now you got to come on and tell me all about the trip. How was Tennessee? How was the Black Hills of Tennessee? Uh, ooh, it was very tiring. Hold on, let me fix my camera here. Did you say very tiring? Yeah, it was very tiring. I mean, what did you do? You walked door to like what? Yeah, climbed the hills. I walked about twenty-seven miles in five days. So, oh, good. Um, I could barely. It it hurts like hell. Um, I could barely move my left leg right now. Um, but is that the one that's repaired, replaced? No, the one that's replaced is doing fine. Oh, okay. That's all we want to know about. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that one's doing fine. It's achy still, you know, it's still going through the growing pains. But I don't I don't fear it giving on me, you know. The the left knee keeps locking up. Um, if I rest for five minutes, it takes me ten minutes to loosen it to get up and everything. So yeah, so I'm just I'm suffering my my left knee, but um no, the, the Great Smoky Mountains were great and smoky. Okay. <laughs> I mean, we we did, we did, um, we went to the Hatfield and McCoy's <laughs> comedy show. <laughs> <laughs> we, we walked um, like forever. They, they, you know, they have a strip like, like Disney, you know. It's like Disney World over there, Babs. Because mm-hmm. Dolly World is right there. I mean, literally, Dolly World was five minutes from my from where I was staying. So the traffic was ridiculous over there. <sighs> then there was also a car show happening that week. So, I mean, the traffic was ridiculous. So where, where were y'all in Tennessee? We were in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. Oh. Like, okay. it's, I'm telling you, it's like five minutes away from Dollywood. I was just going to say, that's that's where Dollywood. Did you go to Dollywood? No, we didn't because the first two days, three days that I walked so much that the, the day we planned on going to Dollywood, I just couldn't move my leg. Ooh. So, so where did just, you fly into? We we flew into Nashville. So did you stay in Nashville too? Like no, did you? No, we flew into Nashville and then drove. It was supposed to be a three and a half hour ride. Oh, with the they traffic, it was you. more like five and a half hours. You know, so and then we got detoured because we when we got to a certain part of the highway, there was literally a wall of police on the highway that detoured us uh-huh we don't know what happened on the highway but there was a hell of a lot of police so they detoured us it took us an hour around to get on the other side of that detour so i mean it, it took us five and a half hours to get from the 
airport to where we were staying. So, I mean, it was a lot of driving, a lot of driving, a lot of, if I wasn't walking, I was in traffic. Okay. But um, no, it was, it was wonderful. I mean, the, the, the people over there are so friendly. You Did know, you eat you well? Howdy, you hear howdy and how y'all like doing? <laughs> you know, and and for me, it's um a different language, right? So <laughs> literally my my daughter-in-law was translating. <laughs> so literally there was this in we were in the pool. Oh, so you went with your, your son and your daughter-in-law. Yeah. Yeah, it was the first vacation that I've had with an adult child of mine, right? Okay. So that was interesting. It it was fun, but at the same time, I'm so used to just me and Karen. Okay. Know, so Yeah, but when you a, go with adult kids, it's not like going with your kids, right? No, right. So it, it was different. Um but um so we spent Karen's birthday and and well we came back um Friday. So Saturday was our anniversary. And we spent it just relaxing because we were so tired. <laughs> it was like they ain't gonna wear me out. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's you, that that saying that you need a vacation from your vacation is is for real. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean we're both at, back at work today. But it was a, a good six days. I always say we it was seven day. It was a seven day vacation. Yeah. I always say seven is too much for me. I tell Karen all the time, don't book us for seven days. Okay. Five at five days. You're right. Yeah, I, that's enough. I start thinking about my own bed. Yeah. So the, the last two days were dragging. I can't wait to be home. You know. <laughs> <laughs> ah, well, I'm glad you got to go, Harry. Where's the, where are you going next? We're thinking either the the Red Mountains in Arizona. I think you would like Arizona. It's dry. Yeah. Or Mount Rushmore. You, you can't go wrong. So it's just, you know, we're at the point where we're not just gonna go to Florida, South Carolina, and Puerto Rico. We want to actually see the country. That's a Babs influence. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. So, yeah. So, I mean, it was good. It was good. You know. I'm glad. Need another vacation, but. <laughs> oh, yeah. You need a vacation from the vacation. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. my God, my my left leg. That. I need a new knee. I need a new freaking. Yeah, they knee. know, Harry. When do when do you go back and they talk about that? When um actually November, I go. I have my appointment to talk about the next surgery. Oh, okay. And then it'll be before you know it. See, that's how I did. I just I straddled like a year, you know, not a year, but like you know, I had it one yeah. in September and then one in the spring. I something. wanted to get them both done this year, you know, but that's not going to happen. So no. It's gonna probably be January or February. Yeah. Um, depending on his schedule and everything. So yeah. Kind of sucks that I'm gonna now that that I know 
that is okay to get my leg done because this leg is it's not at a hundred percent yet. Actually, I I there was this lady there who had both her knees done. Uh-huh. And she was like, Oh, honey, it's gonna take you at least a year for it to feel like your knee. Oh yeah. And I was like, that's what I That's how hearing. I felt about my hips. It really took a long time for it. Yeah. I mean, it, it was quick. The, the pain relief was the grinding of the bone was quick. That pain, but the surgery pain and the right. it, that took a long time. Right. Cause that's that's what I'm feeling now. It's like I no longer have that my my knee jamming, my the bone spurs feeling yeah. like like somebody's sticking a knife in my knee. Yeah, that, that pain knee. goes away. That pain goes away. Gotta... Now it's just all the tendons and everything that are still growing around it because your body has to accept the prosthetic. Yeah. So that takes anywhere from a year to 18 months. Yeah. Which is a long time. But even with those growing pains, I call them growing pains because I know my all my muscles and tendons are growing around that knee. Um, even with that, I, I would take it, you know, because this pain is a different pain and I know this one is going to pass. Yes. You know, so I'm ready for the next knee. I'm, I was ready yesterday. I was ready when I came out the, the first surgery you don't gotta tell me i was the same way i was i was trying to lobby for both hips and they were like no you're too high risk like we can't have you operated on that long yeah me too and and i had just gotten you know these requirements best i had just gotten under the bmi you know that they needed me to be so i needed to be under the 40 bmi yeah so i had just gotten under that and they just wouldn't approve the second me doing both of them. Yeah. Which sucked. I know. But, but it is what it is. I know. How was your week? It was a good week, Harry. There was a lot going on. I didn't even know Nora was, she didn't even say she wasn't on this morning. Yeah, she just forward, forwarded your, your text to me. And she told so, me, oh, you're going to surprise Babs. So. <laughs> So thank thank you. <laughs> so, yeah. But yeah, I was actually supposed to come back tomorrow. Uh-huh. But you know, you know me, I started working yesterday. So I was like, I'm already working from home. I'm doing stuff, preparing shows for behind the brand and stuff like that. I started, I said, you know what, I'm just going into work. What's the difference? Mm-hmm. Might as well do it in the office. I understand. I understand, Harry. And then we have Karen some great guests back today. Oh yeah. So I was like, yeah, all right, I'll be go. home alone. And now Karen's on a a traveling thing, right? So she, <laughs> <laughs> we just got back from Tennessee. Now Sunday she leaves to New Orleans. Oh, that's you know so that's she has, of, that's my second has, favorite city. Yeah, she has a work thing in New Orleans. But you know, the thing about this, this is what I hate about work things, Harry. They take you to the coolest places, but you don't <laughs> ever get to see them because you're locked up in the damn hotel conference room. Well, hopefully not for too long. Hopefully they're going to be able to walk 
around and do that. They got to get out. She got to get down to the French Quarter. She's got to, yeah. I mean, there's so much. She got to get to the Garden District. She's got to ride this, the streetcar. I mean, she got to do all the stuff. Yeah. I hope they, because so, you know. So then, she, then she comes back from New Orleans and she heads to Jacksonville, Florida in in about two weeks after after New Orleans to meet with her, her brothers coming from Puerto Rico. Oh, okay. So they're going to do a little family gathering in Jacksonville. And you're not going? No, I'm not going. Because <laughs> so, you don't want to go, Harry? You had enough? I figure I've been... Uh, my vacation is too close. Um, and it's her family. I I hope they're not listening. <laughs> yeah, I shouldn't say it like that. I know. I mean, they're my, they're my friends, but... When it comes to do them doing a family thing, brother and sister, I don't need to be involved because then I feel like they start treating her like a little sister. I'm gonna get in people's faces. So mm. I'm like, I'll stay out of it. Okay. So <laughs> so and then then um Thanksgiving, Christmas, and then we head out. For the end of the year, we'll be in Orlando. For uh, for the end of the year. Well, we'll we'll be back. I think we come back the thirtieth of December. So. Oh, okay. Oh, this we'll, is when we the station shuts down, right? We shut down for yeah, right for the holiday. We'll I keep for forgetting about that a week. Oh, let me find yeah. some place to go. Let me look at that velo and see where I could go. <laughs> for real, I was getting a velo. Getting, is um, it a velo? A velo. A velo. Yeah. I was What's getting um, emails this week, $29. Book your trip now to wherever, $29, $29. I'm like, I would love to, I, I should start. I was telling Karen, we should start just leaving for the weekend, you know. I know, it's easy. Friday night and then come back Sunday night, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's not hard. Start traveling places. Yeah. But um, the only thing I have a complaint with Avello in in Nashville, Tennessee, the airport over there, they Avello was we were flying right next to Delta. And Delta's on the mic talking to their customers. Your flight is in this, anybody with, with baggage that needs to be checked, anybody this this. You know, the whole Avello, we it was a booked flight. We're all sitting there, and we see that the Avello desk is completely empty. And our time comes, and we're like, I guess our flight is late. And at the same time, Karen got up to go and check where the hell is another lady was right in front of her, and at the gate, she turns around and she goes, they're waiting for us to get on the plane. <laughs> I mean, literally, they didn't announce anything. They're just standing there at the gate. Somebody, somebody didn't show up for their shift. <laughs> Whoever's responsible for calling the, calling the flight. And then they had an attitude. Babs. Hello. Then they had an attitude. I, You know, I go up there. 
One is checking your boarding pass. And as I walk past her, she checked my boarding pass. I walk past her. The, another one goes, excuse me, sir, what's your name? And I'm like, she just checked my boarding pass. And she's like, but I got to double check it. And I'm like, listen, you guys were didn't even make an announcement. And she's like, well, well, I'm like, you know what? You need to relax and have a better day. She, she put, I'm like, what is going on here? Listen, Avello, if you're listening, because I know, you know, Avello listens to Love Babs, Love Talk. Who doesn't? <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't? You need to check your staff because <laughs> what, what was wrong with what made it worse is that Delta was so good with their people. Avello didn't have not one person at their desk. That's odd, Harry, because when we flew into Florida, because you know, I was in Florida last weekend for Azaria's wedding, um, they couldn't have been nicer. They yeah, couldn't have been we more went, efficient. When we went to Florida, we, we got to Florida and South Carolina on Avello. It was great. Very communic communicative. And the actually, when, when we were, when they had to delay our flight, the lady came out and she was apologetic and and all of this stuff. Not in Tennessee. That's the only at the airport was the only time I got an attitude from somebody in, in Tennessee. Everybody else was y'all and howdy and, <laughs> and yeah. You get to the airport and it's like <laughs> and they're like New Yorkers. <laughs> yeah, it was literally it was. They didn't have an accent. They didn't have nothing. Yeah, it was those New York people working they for just a had an attitude. Yeah. <laughs> now, now I want to make sure make it clear because the flight attendant was great. It wasn't the flight attendant. It was the people who were supposed to check your pass and everything. Oh God! It was just oh, horrible. Okay. Welcome back, Harry. Welcome. I'm glad y'all had a good time. I didn't see no pictures posted up yet. Did you put some pictures up? Karen, Karen posted. I'll, I'll share Do her. I follow stuff. Karen on Instagram. No, Sometimes I, I, don't I, think, see her. I don't think Karen posts on the gram. I think she oh. does all Facebook. Do I follow but, um, her? I don't know, but I'll I'll share her stuff. But I mean, it, you, uh, I should have had one posted here, but. It's incredible. I mean, <laughs> the. Oh, I'm going to add her. Because I don't have her as a friend. So I can see her stuff. Oh, look, I got a message from Nora. Sorry, her um, Babs's system is dragging. Oh, that was late because I couldn't. <laughs> I know. You know, I upgraded Harry my system. Sometimes an upgrade could be not an upgrade, I think. It's, I don't know. Frontier is janky. They just. It just janky. There's something um I think going on with your with Zoom and your internet talking to each other. Something's going on. I think something's going on. I don't know. Karen bought herself uh boots. <laughs> <laughs> she had three pair of boots. Good for her. She's like, get yourself some boots. I'm like, I just am not. I'm a sneaker guy. So buying boots just doesn't make sense for me. So oh, okay, even in the winter, Harry, with snow. Well, I, yeah, I, I got my Timberland. 
not oh, cowboy right. boots. Okay. All right, New Yorker. <laughs> yeah. Okay, hip hop. Hip hop is 50, Harry. <laughs> I know. But yeah, so it's it's not it, let me tell you, it was just so let me uh, I'm trying to share this thing here, this picture. But but the sights were just incredible. And it's like Dolly Dolly owns Pigeon Forge. Yeah. That's where it's she's like, from. Yeah, there's not like one place where you don't see Dolly, 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 and all the shows. So the Stampede, the Hatfield and McCoys, the Pirates, everything, every show, single show is owned by her. It's like the tours we took, every tour you got on was owned by Dolly. I'm like, she owns every single thing over there. But she's... The, they went through her charitable stuff and how she pays for college, people's education. And if you work for Dolly, there's no excuse for you not to be educated because she pays for your education, her company. You know, so it's like she's very charitable. And she's put Pigeon Forge on the map. She did. You know, she, she spent her money well. Yeah. She spent her money at HBCU. She spent her money on reading, on books, on yeah, she uh, takes, making she kids. She takes care read. of a lot of people. She does. You know, and, and so, does it with a smile, right? Like, it's yeah. not mean. I never heard anything, you know. No, she she's, look, from everything I was hearing, she's amazing. So, and then the people who, who would, who talked about her that didn't know her over there, they're like, it's like she hasn't changed. She's just always been a nice, humble person. So how often do you get people make it big and be humble? But it's like unheard of to actually stay, you know, humble and nice. And let me try Yeah, because I, I certainly wouldn't be. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Well, I would try. <laughs> I can't promise anything. Oh no, I, I would be, how I am now is how I would be, Harry. But I'd have to be someplace where I know nobody's gonna bother me. All right, well, good, let me know how it works out. Call me if you need me. All right. Well, that's the okay. thing. I mean, when you're that big, it's like everybody's gonna bother you. <laughs> <laughs> they it's talk like, to the hand. Escape it. Talk to the hand. <laughs> Right, let, me, let me show you a picture of me. Uh, well, not of me. Are you on a horse? <laughs> no, no. I didn't take. I got a couple of pictures of myself, but I'm not sharing those. So uh, You got clothes on? Like, what's happening? Why won't you show? Oh, Harry, look at that. You don't want to live there, Harry? Look at that big expanse. Look, it, that's crazy. That, that was a picture when I was on the tour. Um, We were headed up towards the Smoky Mountains. And it's just, it's just freaking amazing. Karen and I took pictures in front and stuff like that. It, it looks like it's photoshopped behind yeah. us. <laughs> and you're like, no, that's it. <laughs> yeah, it's like, there's no way this that's real. <laughs> like, but, no, 
no, no, no, it's real. This is real, 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 real. The only thing we missed on the tour is that, um, you know, on the Smoky Mountains, they're famous for their bears, right? Their yeah. black bears. Um, I guess they were on vacation or something, but it was, it's foraging season. So they're actually around, especially with so many people. They try to steal your freezers and stuff like that. But there was not one bear on our tour. Oh, so it was like that might be good. You might be, you might want <laughs> to know. pick that as a blessing. It's funny because the lady, oh, we went on an off road tour. I mean, that was ridiculous. We were like all over the place in that Jeep. Um, but the lady's like, okay, before we go on the tour, um, the bears are so, um, cuddle, you know. You want to cuddle with them and everything, and they're so cute. You you might want to pet them, and I'm like, I don't know who she's talking to. She's crazy. She's I'm gonna <laughs> pet a bear, but she's like, what? They will kill you. No, they like. She's like, they're very, they're too friendly right now because they're so used to people. And we ask people not to feed them and everything. She's like, they rarely hurt people. But if they do, what you want to do is you want to punch them in the nose and you want to poke them in the eyes. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, I'm not getting And then she's like, well, we're going to get off the Jeep and we're going to walk towards the stream and hopefully we'll see a bear. And I'm like, hopefully, hopefully see a bear. I'm staying on the Jeep. <laughs> it's like, what? are you nuts? Luckily, we couldn't find the parking. There were so many people. That we couldn't find a parking to go towards the stream. But yeah, I'm like. Oh my God, Harry. Yeah, like what? This just, who sa who says that? Oh, you know, you might want to cuddle with a bit. No, I'm not. It's, it's nuts. Yeah, no. Um, I'm with you, Harry. First of all, <laughs> I'm not going to get close enough to a beer where I got swing. That's right. number one. <laughs> right. I got to worry about hitting them in the eyes. Hit them in the eye. <laughs> I'm like, that is not happening not one bit. And to or these punch people who want to feed these bears and want to treat them like, you know, they're pets. Well, yeah, people want to take selfies with the bears and everything. No. I just don't, I just don't have, I don't, that's not in me, Harry. I don't, I don't have that vibe. I don't. Well, that's, uh, that's not in me. And I, I can't outrun a toddler, so. <laughs> so I'm not even gonna chance having to run, and that's what she said. She said, "And don't run." I'm like, "Yeah, like your natural instincts are just stay, freeze." You know, I'm like, hopefully like drop, she brought her shotgun. Is that when you need drop? She brought a shotgun. No, no, I was like, hopefully she brought her shotgun because anybody oh, got a that, shotgun in Tennessee? Shoot. Well, that's why um one of the there was a right. There was a car show, right? And we went into a restaurant, and this guy we were we were waiting to be seated. He goes, "You know, that you know this car almost hit me, and next time I'm just my big truck would just roll that cheap car over." And she's and he's like, "And we all carry shotguns in our trucks." I'm like. He's like, I looked at him and he's like, in Tennessee, you could carry whatever you want. I'm like, oh, that's nice. Man. 
It's like, I'll make sure not to cut that guy off. <laughs> Yikes. He's like talking trash. I'm like. No, but the, okay. the, the car show was ridiculous. It was like. It was every kind of sports car on the street with their, they got this thing that their mufflers and their their motors are popping. Pop, 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 pop. You know, it's like, ah, oh. it was just ridiculous. And they were cutting everybody off. They were just sliding Like a hoopty. <laughs> and he's he's rocking like a hoopty. Like, <laughs> yeah, they were on. like, we're going to make, we're going to make sure that they're not. Um, allowed to have their uh, convention next year here. Wow. Yeah, see, that's a lot of stress. Be, <laughs> I was like, okay. People be doing the most. Like Me, I, I, I was stressed by the, because look, on the map it says you're seven minutes away and 40 minutes later you're getting to a place it's like this is re- the traffic was ridiculous what so. was what was the traffic about dollywood or well, dollywood and that car convention that was there. oh okay so the car convention is not anything that happens every day it's just this time of year was the car convention yeah it was just this time of year they had this car show so so they were literally all over the place there was sports cars all over the place did you see cars that you liked though and all of, well, there were, there were some nice ones. The only thing is this weird thing that they all had over there. Their wheels are turned sideways. Oh, so I don't they're, know. they're riding on their inner wheel. I don't know okay. how their wheels last. But they were all like that. So it was like, it made no sense. <laughs> I was like, what is going on here? <laughs> but, but the place we stood, it was nice. It was... It wasn't one of the their luxury, um, because it's part of the timeshare. Mm-hmm. It was more a of a a townhouse, you know, in amongst other town. It's almost like going into um, the Poconos, right? Okay, uh, yeah. So it's it wasn't a luxury thing. I was like, oh, next time I think I'll just stick with a. Luxury hotel. Mm-hmm. I didn't like it so much that I had to, you know, walk so much to the spot. And then the bed was really low. Ooh. You know, it's a low bed. So it's like getting out of it was a pain. And then it was a, a Tempur-Pedic mattress where you sink. It was one of those Tempur-Pedic, but it wasn't a, a firm. It was a... <laughs> A sink temper Peter. It was like, oh my God. It's like you're stuck in a hole. Oh my God. So that's the only thing that it was this. I actually slept for some reason. It just wasn't a comfortable, as comfortable as I would have liked. How was the food? What did you eat? Oh, the food was great. We we ate Kentucky food and I ate a I ate regular menu. I didn't. You know, and then at, at that um, Hatfield and McCoy's, they had all you can eat fried chicken. And <laughs> I was like, okay. It's like, and then it was, they were bringing all chicken breasts. Like they knew my diet. <laughs> but yeah, bring in the chicken breast. <laughs> no, but it was, it was good. It was really good. Um, Lots of sweet tea. <laughs> 
Well, yeah, my daughter-in-law was drinking a lot of sweet tea. I was I'm more of a lemonade guy. The sweet tea I could drink, but it's not always good to me. It's like they gotta be on point. But yeah, so it, it was it was good. And then we shopped all and then we went to this place called the island, which is like a huge park of everything. And we got on the Ferris wheel. <laughs> we got on the Ferris wheel, which Karen is afraid of heights. She hates. She hates the Ferris wheel, but she so got on. She get on it. She got on because she's like, I never get to go on because she doesn't want to go on. So she got on, and then the first thing they tell us is, if you have a problem, there's an emergency button in the Ferris wheel, which is the first time I ever seen. If you have a problem, press the emergency button, and we'll bring you down immediately. And I'm like, oh, Karen's going to press this button. We got up <laughs> and we stood there for two minutes and she th- felt like it was an hour. And then the wind started rocking us. And she's like, you moved, you rocked us. And she's, I was like, babe, relax. Look at the sights. Look at this. And she tried. She's like, this, we're up here too long. I was like, but I mean, we. she did it. She was able to do it. I said, since you can't get your fear, we're gonna get on every Ferris wheel. She's like, "Don't push your luck, buddy." They're like, "Oh no, I want it done." That's it. But I mean, I don't get it. You just—it's a Ferris I got, wheel. I got on, the last time I got on the Ferris wheel. No, I don't like heights either, Harry. But I'm not afraid. I just don't like Ferris wheel because they don't feel secure, and you don't realize that until you're all the way up there, and you're like. It's just a bar right. between me and, then and the wind to my death. <laughs> then just the wind starts rocking it. You're like, why, why, why are we rocking? Karen's like, you moved. I'm like, I did not move. It, it wasn't until I was up there, Harry, and I realized there's just a bar between me and death. I was like, I... <laughs> since you have that realization, you're like, I've been on roller coasters, all these kinds of things my whole life. It wasn't until I got, I was like, you know what? This is, this is stupid. (laughs) And then what I didn't notice is that they, some of them had glass bottoms. Okay. So you can look down. Yeah. If I would have known, I would have taken the glass bottom, but of course, Karen would have freaked out immediately, but it's nothing. I mean. Well, to you. We were on the, the Jeep um, off-road tour where we were going Boom! We, I mean, we were flying over all these bumps and everything, and and for me, that was more dangerous of us falling out of the freaking jeep than falling out of the Ferris wheel. Wow! You know, but it was fun. The off-road thing was like crazy, and then it they they made it fun because you oh you know Pigeon Forge is um is Bigfoot country. Oh, is it? Yeah. So it was like, you know, big. There's Bigfoot stores all over the place, Fabs. It's like it's like going to um, Nevada and being Area 51. Literally, Bigfoot stores all over the place. What the hell do you buy at a Bigfoot store? Well, I don't know. Maybe a Bigfoot. You know, I was hoping. I was saying. Well, we didn't stop. I think um, my son and his wife went later without us but i was like can you buy like a 
instead of a rabbit's foot, a big foot, and it's like you're carrying a huge foot <laughs> for luck. <laughs> you know, but no, it, it's Bigfoot country. So on that tour, on the off-road tour, they had it was it was through a like a little forest area, right? Off-road. And they had hidden Bigfoots that you were supposed to spot on the <laughs> You say when you see Bigfoot, <laughs> it's like oh, Bigfoot. Like they had people dressed up, and they just had like no, no, they had like cardboard cutouts or something. Oh, yeah, Bigfoots. <laughs> I I don't know what the fascination is with Bigfoot either, but well, I mean, if you see a Bigfoot, I'm sure you'd be fascinated by a creature that's not an ape, that's not a man. That's the if a lot of people think it's the missing link that bridge between man and ape. Right. Yeah. But yeah, they've already, so, they've already refuted that. But okay. <laughs> well, well. I mean, yeah. I mean, I guess they they got us. They got us actually mating with Neanderthals now. But Harry, if there was a Bigfoot still alive or whatever this is, you don't think it would have shown up on social media by now with his own page? No. You know, you know, different species are discovered all the time. Yeah. All right. Of course, I you know, I agree with you. I was actually reading up. Some people think that <laughs> Bigfoot now is interdimensional, so that's why you can't catch him. <laughs> he steps into another dimension, man. Oh, periodically or just yeah, you know, whenever he's gonna, he he knows you're gonna catch him. Okay. He just <laughs> okay. slides into the dimension. You can't see him. I'm here for it. Uh, listen, Harry. I'm... <laughs> no, but um, yeah. So it was fun. All of that stuff was fun. Just very tiring. Oh, can you see this on my head, man? There's a yes, a bump. A bump, and it, you can't see it on my nose, but I got a scrape on my nose. So you fell. The the pool we were at, it clearly said no diving. Guess who didn't read? The no diving. Glory. I dove in. <laughs> and it was like, I thought it was deeper than it was. It was only five feet. So I dove in to go to the bottom and come up. And I went <laughs> literally, Vaz. It was oh like, oh my God. I see the floor coming at me at, at a quick speed. And I go, oh no. And then my face goes, <laughs> drags on the bottom. Did the lifeguard see you? Like, what happened? No, no, there was no lifeguard. There was no lifeguard. It was. It, it clearly said also, swim at your own risk. No, no lifeguard. <laughs> but of course, I, you know, I don't need a lifeguard, especially in okay, five feet. I... In five feet, I needed intelligence. I just didn't need a lifeguard. So no. And then as soon as I come up, I was bleeding. It was a. Uh, my the bridge of my nose was bleeding, and everything. So you better be Karen, glad you didn't have a concussion and die. What's oh, that's what they were. That's what they were saying. They're like, "Are you okay? Are you seeing stars?" I'm, I'm like, "I'm fine." This, I'm embarrassed, but fine. <laughs> so, you know, Karen being helpful. As soon as I come up, she points to the no diving sign. <laughs> Look. It clearly says no diving, but anyway. 
But I guess that was fun too, I guess. Yikes. <laughs> no, but yeah, I mean, it is what it is. So now I got a little stain there. It's no, no, no longer a bump, no longer. And my nose is a little scraped up, but I could always say I'm peeling because I was in the sun. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't my my smartest thing. <laughs> well, the lesson is this: when you go to some damn pool, read everything before you get oh, your ass in. Well, I knew there's a no diving, no diving thing. There's always a no diving. It was just. Oh, I'm gonna do what I want to do. Damn the rules! No, I thought I thought it was deeper. I didn't know oh. they just had a five foot pool. I didn't read that. Oh, you know, usually pools start at three and at about ten feet. Yeah, this one ended at five feet. <laughs> I was you like, be glad you didn't hurt yourself. Work like. Like really hurt yourself. Can Karen swim? Because she had to jump in and get you. No, no, no. Well, nobody had to jump. They didn't even notice until I came up and I was bleeding. They're like, "What happened?" I'm like, "Well, you know, me, I, my face hit the floor. <laughs> Everything turned out all right, though. But it was it was fun, fun, fun. Just." Like I said, it's really tiring, you know, because my I had my Apple Watch, so it tells you. I mean, I didn't always have my Apple Watch, so my Apple Watch marked twenty-seven miles. So I figure the time I did have my Apple Watch, I may have went over thirty miles walking. So and it was just a lot of walking. The one thing I was disappointed in is the the outlets over there. Yeah. The regular prices. <laughs> it's like, this isn't an outlet. I'm not going to buy to have to stuff in my bag and take when I could actually probably get a sale. Oh, by the way, Amazon Prime Day is I know. tomorrow. And, um, I thought it was this, today. Today and tomorrow. Oh, today's the 10th. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's today and tomorrow. Today and tomorrow. Do you have to be a but you have to be a prime member? I don't think yeah. I'm not a prime member. Yeah, but when they have these sales, they tell they give you a 30-day free prime membership. Really? You just have to cancel, remember to cancel, or they hit you with a hundred and thirty dollar membership fee. So just go on and do the trial membership for 30 days. Make sure you cancel. Mm. Actually, after the two prime days, you could cancel. So you don't forget in 30 days. Oh, no. I, you know, I'm going to do that, Harry. Although I can't buy. I can't shop. I can't buy anything. But there might be some stuff I want. We'll, well see. The only thing I'm looking for now is that it's Christmas coming up. So I'll go on and look at anything that I think Bella or, you know, Daisy. Or Lumi. Oh, my God. I saw the picture of Lumi. I could not. Yeah, you believe it. You know, in my mind, Harris, she's still a baby, baby. Cause that's the last time I saw her. She's standing up there looking like big girl. Like, yeah, what? she's two years old. She just turned two, the second. Um, and she's a big girl. She, you know, she's 
we're we're still waiting to see what her personality is gonna be because Daisy and Bella are so polar opposite. So we're, we're but she's probably gonna be a little bit of both of them, right? Because she she's the little sister. But she's more like Daisy right now. She's like very standoffish and oh boy. <laughs> and she has no problem like giving you the, the look and saying no. And that's more Daisy. Bella was more of a pleasing child. She was like, Bella was like, oh yeah, yeah, whatever. These two are like, oh my God. <laughs> I cannot believe she is already too. Yeah. Like the funny thing is just... that she looks like both her sisters. You know, it's like yeah. When I saw the picture, yeah. she's standing there. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I was like, what the hell? It blew me away. It's freaked yeah. out. It's like these kids grow up too fast, man. So who's your ten fifteen guest? Um, oh, Harry, this guy, Robert Reardon, he does couple therapy immersion. So you give him a weekend and you get like 13 weeks of couples, intensive couple therapy um, in a weekend. He does it uh, in uh, Guilford, in a cottage somewhere. So he's coming on. So I'm interested in hearing because, you know. I don't even know if people go to couples therapy anymore. Do they do that? So I'm interested in hearing about this immersion that he created. Sorry, I missed all of that. <laughs> Why? You didn't hear me? No, because Norma's right next to me cutting boxes. Oh. <laughs> it's time but... for the WNHH to get their own space. Maybe independent need their own space. Paul got to stop being cheap. Retail, re real estate is at a premium now. Like, you can, we could write your own office space deal now. So much of uh, it. No, but the the bubble's about to burst, Bab. So you have to wait because supposedly real estate prices are going to go really down. Yeah, it's going to go fall down further. Ain't nobody yeah. going back to these offices? Oh, yeah. That's why we could get one on the cheap. That's what I mean. And probably in that building. <laughs> <laughs> Just take your stuff on the elevator and go up or down. I know there's some office space in that, yeah, well, in that building that don't need no nothing. Just No, Paul's, Paul's not going anywhere. I know. Paul cheap. <laughs> it isn't that. He uh he just likes the family environment here. Oh, I know he does. Cause, cause, ain't nobody at the house at his house but him and his wife, and you know, ain't no, ain't, there's no you know, there's no fight for the bathroom, no, <laughs> you know what I mean, like this. <laughs> so right. you come to work to get that, you know, that that interaction of other people around you. I get it. Yep, get it's it. a it's a full house here. You know that it's a full house. It's a full house. So. So yeah, so anyway, uh Robert Reardon is a guest at 1015. I'm looking forward to talking to him uh about this couple immersion therapy and uh and what that looks like. Couples immersion therapy. Immersion, yes. Because you know, you go couples therapy takes about 13 weeks, right? To you go once a week, you sit, you know, you chop it up, you work through whatever the issues is. Well, he's saying 
We could do that in a weekend. Really? We could get this done in a weekend. I mean, you could if you pick a side, right? If you <laughs> <laughs> you can say, well, he's right. <laughs> I don't know. Well, he's gonna tell us what immersion therapy is. Because I'm telling you, Harry. I don't know. I listen, I'm I'm not I, I'm not going back down that road with nobody. So I want to hear this. You know, and how do you know when you need it? I mean, I guess there's a lot of people who I think who ought to be in therapy, but you know, I'm no therapist. I just play one on the radio. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean I've tried therapy a few times and Karen and I at a point also went through the couples therapy thing and um yeah, you sit down. <laughs> I mean, we, we gotta go be you're listening to Love Best Love Talk on WNHH LP 103.5 FM, your home for community radio. But no, so you sit there, you hope the person listening takes your side. That's what <laughs> yeah. Well, I I'm we're gonna listen to him here and see what he has to say about this. You know, you're like and and, hey. and is there some security involved? Like <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm clearly right. Why isn't this person taking my side? Because if you got a weekend, Harry, you got to get to some heavy stuff really quickly. And that might be, that might require knives. <laughs> so I, I don't know. Yeah, in a weekend, so we, that sounds crazy. but I don't know. But, you know, I guess, you know, anything can happen, Harry, you put it in a pretty enough place. You know what I mean? Like, well, I'm set sure him up he, in a, in a pretty I'm sure place. he's mastered his... Um, yeah, he's stuff, yeah, but he's got a whole technique. This is a whole yeah, thing. So. so I'm looking forward to hearing about this. And I know people who are tuned in are gonna be listening because because when I posted it, I could see the eyebrows going, hmm. So <laughs> so uh so he might get some phone calls after the fact, just some inquiries about okay. <laughs> I might I might need to come see you, Mr. Reardon, because Got some stuff going on at the house. So I don't know. Not me. I'm just saying people out there who might be listening. So, all right, we're going to take a break. But we'll be back at 1015 with uh, with uh, uh, Mr. Robert Reardon. He's got an interesting background. He's a, he was an attorney, an international attorney, and then uh, became a, a, a psychotherapist. So interesting, interesting path. So we'll be back with uh, Robert Reardon at uh, 1015. So right, we'll be we right do. back. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Love Bass Love Talk on WNHH LP 103.5 FM. Look for that 1015 link on our you know yeah. Facebook page on yeah. our Twitter at WNHH LP.
Hi, this is Babs Girls Ivy from New Haven, Connecticut, and you're listening to WNHHLP 103.5 FM, streaming live at newhavenindependent.org. Welcome to the second hour of Love Babs Love Talk. I'm Babs Rolls Ivy. I'm delighted this morning. I've been waiting for I've been waiting for this conversation ever since uh I knew Robert Reardon was coming on. So let me tell you a little bit about him. So uh Rob is a former international securities lawyer and a current psycho- psychologist. Uh he holds a law degree from NYU School of Law and a doctorate in clinical psychology from Rutgers University. 
He trained at Bellevue and completed his postdoctoral training at the University of Pennsylvania Health System. Uh, he maintains a private practice in New York City and Connecticut. He has worked clinically with over 100 couples with a specialty in high-conflict couples and couples in crisis. He has over 15 years of experience as a couple, th a couple therapist. And so, good morning and welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Okay, so Robert, what in the world is immersive couples therapy? What is that? So imagine, so what we've done is we have uh, created a bubble and we invite the couples into the bubble. Um, the majority of couples will come to us midday on Friday and they stay with us until the end of the weekend. And the, the house, the space belongs to them and the therapist will travel to and from them on Friday, Saturday and Sunday and work in what we call immersive or marathon sessions on each of those days. So it's couple therapy, but freed from sort of the traditional time constraints that we you know we're familiar with the 60 minute, you know, uh, 60 minutes a week model. Wow. So this couples have to be willing to want to put themselves through this because I would imagine, Robert, if you say a weekend to get 13 weeks in, you have to be willing to like be bare quickly. <laughs> uh, well, well, actually, it's it, yes and no. I mean, I think you have to be willing to work hard for sure. I mean, you're going to be thrown in the pool. There's a lot of feeling. There's a lot of movement. But unlike, you know, a traditional couple therapy session where you kind of have to flip the switch and get to it because, you know, you're on the clock. I think that, you know, we offer kind of a softer landing for people, like the opportunity to sort of, you know, wade into the water um, and, you know, get connected with the feeling that we need to sort of, you know, access in order to see change. Wow. Okay. So, so what kind of couples do you see? I, I, I would imagine if it's crises or high conflict, this is not, this is not simply uh, he left the toothpaste on, you know, the toothpaste cap on the sink and didn't close it or you know he uh -huh. rolls the toilet tissue the other way like this is some what give me some examples of high conflict uh uh couples well i mean to, to answer the question though we do see a variety of couples not everyone is necessarily in crisis we see you know couples that have made a commitment to get married and they want to make sure that kind of you know they they've flipped over every stone and articulated you know, all of the assumptions that they're proceeding down the road on. We see couples that, you know, are highly invested in the success of their relationship. And so they have some fine tuning to do. And then, of course, we see couples that, you know, um, are, are, in, are in crisis. And, and obviously, the, the easy example there is usually infidelity. Um, when couples are facing infidelity, I think, you know, we are a good match for them because you know, they can, as opposed to having to work on it over a long period of time, they can confront it and get their bearings back in, in, a, in a relatively short period of time, um, you know, before they settle into probably the weekly work that will follow. So, so when these high conflict couples, crisis couples come to you, do they, do they come and say, we just want to sort our feelings out because we know we want to get divorced or we think there's something here to be saved and we want to get some tools to do it like what what's the do you have an outcome when they walk in the door i think that the answer is actually in between the two i think they're coming because they don't know the answer to that question i think that 
they wouldn't be coming if there still wasn't a desire to see if they could get to the other side of the crisis. But I think when they show up, part of the reason why they need this structure and this guidance is because they're lost and they don't know, you know what is possible. And oftentimes they don't know really what their partner is, is hoping for. So part of the experience is kind of, you know, like, you know, laying it all out, put all the, you know, puzzle pieces out and then try to put everything back together. And so I would imagine, uh, Robert, that when people sign up for this, um, there's got to be some rules of engagement. Like, do you know what I mean? Like nobody could leave or slam the door, or walk out like, oh, I mean, you all, I mean, you always have the will to sort of leave. But to, I, I'm, I would imagine that there's some ground rules to this. The ground rules, actually, it's it's none of the above. I mean, people will feel, you know, they feel whatever feelings. We ask them, obviously, part of the being in the bubble is staying in it. If they need a break, if they need to vent, so be it. The rules of engagement are really about respect. It's about sort of, you know, like respecting your partner, you know, not belittling him or her, like, you know, allowing them to speak, to say what they need to say. Um, you know, and then then there are just very fundamental, you know, couple therapy sort of, you know, rules where, you know, couple therapy does not really work when you're dealing with someone with an active addiction because too much of their energy is, is focused on the addiction. We do not work with couples that are actively, where one of them is actively involved in a relationship with another party and not willing to sort of cut it off and work on this relationship. Um, and so, yeah, but in terms of your question about people, you know, feeling their feelings, no, it's it's actually a, a perfectly, you know, uh, perfectly fine spot for people to do what they need to do. Mm. So, so Robert, when you meet these couples, do you have a sense of how this is going to go just by interacting with them and talking with them? That's a great question. Um, yes, I'll be honest. I have a hunch and I think that it, and largely it, it has to do with you know, like openness, like when people come and even if they're, you know, very lost or sort of need guidance, if they are open to, you know, to learning, to trying something new, to, you know, taking a risk, then, you know, we have very good outcomes. We have very good outcomes. In fact, we have very good outcomes generally in couple therapy with couples that don't wait too long. I mean, usually the hardest couple to work with is not the high conflict or not the you know, couple that's engaged in certain behavior. It's the couple that's waited far too long to seek help. Mm. And so, so they've got a whole bunch of time with things festering, unresolved, unspoken about baggage, right? I would imagine. Right. Well, if you think about it, I mean, we imagine when we see a couple fighting that that's a bad thing. In fact, it's not bad because what it means is they're in the game. They care. And the problem with many couples, the challenge with many couples that wait too long is the feeling is no longer there. And so oh. at, we cannot necessarily go and resurrect feeling that has sort of died on the vine. If we have a lot of it and it's messy, that's perfectly fine. Oh, I see. So so you get a couple that's indifferent to each other. Or they're one of somebody's indifferent. That means they've already checked out. Like they've already... Yeah. Oh, wow. Those, those are the those are the tough cases to work with for sure. Yeah. And so, do you say that to them? Do you say, "Listen, listen, this is what I see." Do you mm -hmm. say that? I do. I mean, I'm a pragmatist. I think that you know, people come to couples therapy, you know, because they want results. They want movement. 
And I feel like part of our job, our job is not to save the relationship. It's really to sort of, you know, translate the process of where they are and what they're going through. And I mean, very rarely, but, but yes, indeed, it does happen that, you know, like there are certain couples for whom, um, you know, the, the healthiest uh, thing to do seems to move on. Mm. And we can certainly assist and help and support in that process. Now, Robert, are there ever couples that you're like, no, we can't, we can't help you. <laughs> do you ever do that? Do you ever, are you that, do you, do you get to sort of, or do you, do you always think that you could help anybody? Any I think I honestly don't think I've met a couple that I think, no, we can't help you. I think that, you know, every couple looks differently. One of the things that's very important to us to underscore is, you know, there's no one right way to be in a couple. And so therefore we have to meet the couple where they're at and we have to honor what it is they want from their relationship. Um, and, and once we do that, you know, we can get couples movement. Um, so I know, I don't think that there, there's a couple that we can't assist um, as long as really, as long as they're open. Wow. Wow. Now, do you get couples who come back a second time? It's like, but you know what? Five years later, 10 years later, you know, eight days later. I mean, do you get, do you get repeat customers? We get people, which is actually lovely, checking in with us to sort of let us know how they're doing. Um, you know, once in a blue moon, I did it over the weekend. I met with a couple that I had seen, you know, maybe two years ago. And it was really just to check in about, you know, how much movement they got and how, you know, you know, of course, there's still things on their list they want to work on. But, you know, the foundation is there, the the skills to be able to tackle whatever's coming, you know, inevitably coming down the pike, um, you know, uh, is there. And so they were they were doing they were doing beautifully. Hmm. Okay, so let me let me just switch gears a little bit. So you you're an attorney, an mm-hmm. international securities attorney, and then mm-hmm. you go you go get this whole doctorate thing in psychology. Yeah. <laughs> so I know yeah. there's a I'm sure there's a backstory to this. <laughs> and then and then and then you start this practice where you do this uh, immersive repair. So what? H- how did you get here? How did you get here? So, I mean, the the truthful answer in terms of the shift from law to psychology was really as simple as it just took me longer to kind of grow up and figure out what I wanted to be. Um, I went right into law school out of college. I practiced for 10 years. And during those years, I got to know myself better. I figured out what was important to me. So I I did a reset. Um, But in terms of the, the couple's work, you know, I don't know if this is a fair statement, but a lot of my friends who are psychologists have said they do not like working with couples. People do not like sort of being in the presence of like, you know, conflict and and a lot of big, potentially negative feeling. It just doesn't bother me. In fact, Mm. I, I, you know, kind of admire the couples for being willing to sort of, they love each other so much, they're willing to sort of fight, you know, to get to a better place. And there's a lot of dynamics going on in the room when you're working with a couple. So it's it's very, it's full on, very engaging. And so, you know, I, I'm quite surprised this is where I ended up, but couple therapy is a very good match for me. And and so not just couple therapy, but this immersive relationship repair, I mean, this is a very defined specific thing. So is. Is, was this your idea? Like how, when you were sitting somewhere with somebody and said, you know what they need? They need a weekend of immersive repair. 
no, no, no. This idea, the idea of like a couple retreat is not, it's not a new idea. What is, what's unique about our idea? So for instance, you could go on a couple retreat and you could, you know, spend time with a bunch of other couples. And our, our idea is different in that we only work with one couple at a time. And we literally have created the bubble. So we're not asking them to travel to our office. Like when they show up on Friday, if they so choose, they can stay. And it's a beautiful waterfront property. They can stay in this beautiful space. And it really is designed to promote them sort of cutting off from the world and orienting to each other. And that plus kind of not looking at the clock, you know, pulling people who have these demanding lives into a different space, um, it works. It just works. Um, you know, people get an opportunity to sort of reconnect with that original commitment, that original promise that they made to each other, you know, even if fleetingly, so as to give themselves hope that they can sort of, you know, fight and work toward a better place. And so when they leave the weekend, I guess they, I would imagine they leave with a whole set of new tools and mm -hmm. how to communicate. And so does the, does the care continue? Like after the week of immersive repair work, are, are you still accessible? Do you still see them one-on-one? -on -one? Do you, you mm -hmm. know, is it just the weekend and it's over? And no, 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 part of the process is, you know, so before we meet them, we do a remote intake. So we, so we have a very clear sense of what the weekend will look like for them. And then we create, you know, a blueprint, which is essentially helping a couple you know, like understand like their particular dynamic, you know, how they communicate, how they get into trouble, how they can get out of trouble. And then we set some some goals for them and we check in and have, you know, a follow up session a month later. Um, you know, on occasion, you know, couples um, will, you know, ask maybe one of the parties would like to sort of do some some work exploring a particular topic in individual therapy. And, you know, to the best of our ability, we'll try to accommodate them and support the couple by doing some individual therapy. So, but yes, we are, we are available to them. And, uh, you know, we encourage them to check in with us for sure. So Robert Reardon, what is it about this that you like so much? And does this feel like your, your ministry, your calling? I mean, do you feel uh, like this is, this is what you should be doing with your time and your life? I love that question. I am extremely surprised at the fact that, you know, this is, you know, where I've landed, given the law jobs, given the different populations and psychology I've worked with. And I think part of it is like, you know, um, it's the work. It's so valuable. It's so important. You know, the quality of a couple and their relationship and, you know, it, it affects everything around them, their health, their family, their children, their parents. And so I think it reverberates. And so, you know, I, I most certainly think this is critically important. And I love my job. So I think I will I will use use that as sort of an indication that, yeah, this is what I should be doing. I feel so how lucky. Do you, how do you keep yourself sane in all this? Like, how do you how do you hold yourself sacred while you're listening to other people unload, unpack? Uh, mm -hmm. all their their issues and crises and trauma and all that kind of stuff. How do you do that? And how do you, and, and I would imagine, I don't know, but if you're in a relationship, how do you hold your relationship sacred in the midst of seeing other people's breakdowns? 
Well, I think the part of the reason I love my job is I'm constantly learning. So first of all, I get exposure to such a diverse population of people. So I'm learning about particular things about the way they live or what they value or what they want for their relationship. And so even in the midst of all the chaos, I'm learning, you know, and and certainly hopefully growing and, and hopefully bringing that back to my own relationship. Um, you know, in terms of one of the things I think most, you know, clinical psychologists become proficient at is being boundaried. You know, I, you know, I'm not like a particularly anxious person. It took a while for the couple to get to this place. It's going to take, you know, some, some reps to kind of, you know, get to a better place. Um, but the key is being willing to get in there and talk about what needs to be talked about. And sometimes it's very, you know, it's hard, it's difficult, it's, it's not an easy conversation, but, but it's meaningful and it, it actually creates change. Mm. I like that. So now are, are your friends, because, you know, I have, I have friends who are therapy, therapists, and, uh, and, you know, there's a moment when you're always thinking, are they, are they looking at me? Are they, <laughs> are they, what are they, what's going on? Is there some analyzing going on here? Which, yeah, yeah. which is, which is nice, actually. I mean, do your friends feel that way about you? That I, that I, uh, let me say this. My partner will sometimes, uh, you know, give me the, you know, don't, don't therapize me. There might be a time when somebody needs to just have a meltdown without any other, any other <laughs> words to it. Just like I'm having a meltdown. That's it. <laughs> And listen, as long as it's it's paired with communication, right? Like, let me, like, you know, what are we doing here? Are we melting down? Are we fixing? Are we venting? <laughs> Just tell me, and and I'm I'm good with that. Okay, okay, yeah. I like that. I like I like that. I like that. So, um, do you think every couple should have some kind of th- therapeutic uh, experience, relationship wise, <clears throat> couple wise? Um, no, no, I think that, you know, one of the things about, you know, I mean, I've, I've been in couples therapy, you know, I think one of the things about, you know, using a couple therapist is when we're in it, when we're in the midst of it, it is very hard for us to sort of, you know, maintain some degree of objectivity. And so allowing, you know, a third party into the dynamic is probably the most like efficient thing to do. And, I think, and, and that's a general statement. There's couples that perhaps are quite good at it and who will not make their way to couple therapy. But I think for most of us who are sort of navigating a lot of the demands of sort of modern living, you know, it's very easy to kind of, you know, get off track and, you know, uh, sort of a professional can help us reorient. Um, I have couples that, you know, a handful of couples that come to therapy because it's the thing that keeps them in a good place. Mm. And therefore, you know, a lot of this is about, it's not about crisis only. It's about sort of valuing, you know, what the space can do for the couple. And, you know, we think about it, he, you know, let's take a heterosexual couple. He needs to be attended to, she needs to be attended to, and the relationship itself needs to be attended to. So, you know, we joke, this is like going to the gym for your relationship. Oh, I love that. That's very good because people can relate. That's a relatable thing. And then it, it makes it real and makes sense for people. So mm-hmm. so what do you do, Robert, when you have a couple and one is resistant to therapy and, and one is desperate for therapy? 
So what we do, particularly like in the retreat space, is we ask for the opportunity to engage the resistant parties sort of separately before the the experience begins yeah. to get a very good sense of what, you know, that the that individual is struggling with. And as you can imagine, there's a lot of misconceptions about what's, you know, what happens in couple therapy. And I think one of the anxieties is I think people fear there's going to be a lot of blaming. And it's very important to explain to people that, you know, that's not, that's not how this works. Like you, you know, as we say, there's a million ways to be in a successful couple. Like you are going to tell us how you want to be in your successful relationship. Our job is to help you get there. Mm -hmm. And so, and so what do you do, Robert, when, when clearly you see couples jockeying for you to pick a side? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, that's where experience comes into play. I think, you know, early, early on, I think, you know, very young couple therapists will sort of be swayed and, and they're sort of, you know, they're, they're, um, you know, uh, keeping score. And then when you sort of step back and sort of, you know, let's say outgrow that and you look at the couple and meet them where they're at and think to yourself, wow, they are, they're doing the best they can in this moment. Right. And we're not going to sort of judge, you know, how good is that? It's just the reality of how they're showing up. It's very easy to sort of remain in the middle because both both parties have a very valid point of view. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, go ahead. Finish. You have more to say just, on that? I was thinking a lot of, you know, it's not uncommon that one party comes into therapy with more of a um, self-help or psychology sort of vocabulary. So, you know, they may present themselves as the one who knows, you know, and, and therefore they kind of are suggesting like, fix this guy over here and we'll be all better. <laughs> and it, that doesn't really work because obviously everything that's going on in a couple is being co-created and therefore, you know, oh, conscious or unconscious, we are contributing to every interaction with our partner. Mm. Mm. So, Robert, do people come to you and say, uh, you know what, I don't know if I need therapy, but I just, I'm feeling some kind of way in this relationship. I don't feel like my needs are being met or I'm not being heard or seen or, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I don't want to leave this, but I think there's something. Like, when do people know uh, or when do you suggest people get therapy? When do you suggest that they make a call? Oh, I I mean, I'm a very big believer in people trying everything they can at home. I mean, for some people, you know, reading works, but unfortunately, it usually tends to be just one half of the couple that's sort of, you know, sort of dipping into that. I mean, I think once, you know, all communication has sort of broken down and that a couple just cannot find sort of a middle ground or sort of a way to sort of make sense or understand each other. And then, of course, you know, it's not uncommon if one of the partners is unresponsive for the for the partner to sort of fantasize about, you know, what else is out there, what else is possible. And, you know, I would suggest that when that starts to happen, like people really start to think about, you know, getting a professional involved, you know, because we don't want that thinking to wander too far. We want to, you know, turn it into an expression of needs and turn it back to the partner and ask them to, you know, ask them to give you uh, what it is that you need. Mm. Uh, do, you, do you ever get the sense that uh, people think that couples therapy is a kind of luxury that they can't afford? 
Um, I think I think that's fair. I think that a lot of people, you know, when you think about all the demands that people are navigating and all the things that people need to put financial resources toward, I think that many people, you know, keep pushing it down the list. Um, and and just as I said, you know, it's it's for me, I think it's just so foundational. I mean, when a couple is out of alignment, the family's out of alignment, you know, the kids are sort of um, impacted. Um, you know, with all the research we now know about, you know, people living longer when they're in healthy relationships. Um, I just think that, you know, um, my wish would be people would sort of reconceptualize it, not as a luxury, but just sort of as a resource. We, we don't keep people in couple therapy for a moment longer than they need to be there, right? This isn't about sitting around on a couch talking about, you know, your childhood. It's getting in there, getting to work, figuring out the problem and getting back out into the world. Mm. And so, you know, we're in this age now where um, the, the uh, you know, the, the LBTQ com community plus community, um, non-binary, uh, all kinds of folks are in all kinds of relationships. Do you mm -hmm. see all kinds of folks in all kinds of relationships? I do. I do. I, I've seen, yeah, I'm, I, I think I've seen most configurations. Um, yeah, I think that's part of the reason why it's important to sort of, you know, you follow, you know, their lead. People will make the decision about, you know, what kind of relationship it is that they want. And yeah, I mean, we do couples therapy, we do everything. There's a couple I'm working with now to navigate the rules of an open relationship. You know, I'm, I, I could go on and on, but, you know, uh, polyamorous couples, um, really, you know, we meet the couple where they're at as long as they can express you know, get in touch with and emotionally express what they need from this relationship. And we can work on, on you know, do everything we can to get those needs met. The kind of, you know, configuration of the couple um, is of secondary importance. Mm, that's interesting because this is, I mean, we're in a very unique time where people are trying to be open and affirming and they want the communities around them to be open and affirming. And so does that, does that cause you to sort of stay on top of the, the ever-changing landscape of relationships? Mm -hmm. Yes, for sure. <laughs> yes, sure. Yes. And, and so how do you do that? How do you do that? Well, I mean, part of it is, again, being educated by patients. I mean, a lot of stuff, you know, is sort of, you know, brought into the therapy room and, and people will sort of educate you about the way they see the world. And, you know, I think... Uh, for instance, like working with queer people, like, you know, like even under that sort of label, what people want for themselves and want for their relationships is even quite different. So, you know, while, you know, it's important to remain abreast of sort of what is happening or the latest terms or the latest, you know, what, what people are getting up to on social media, you know, fundamentally, you know, it will be the the meeting, the initial meeting with the the potential clients that is going to educate you about the, you know, what it is that they want for themselves and for their romantic life. Mm, mm. Now, so so Robert, do you see um, couples who are about to get married, like pre-marriage couples, like folks who are like, you know what, we're about to get married, and yeah. you know, there's some things we want to work on or set some foundation for. Do you see do you see those folks too? We do. In fact, this summer we we saw quite a number of them, and you know, it's it's a very nice experience because, you know, one of the things that many couples don't think about 
is their relationship. They've been sort of navigating this, you know, I like you, you like me, are we, aren't we, that a lot of questions haven't been addressed head on. There's a lot of assumptions that have been made. And so, you know, the retreat is an opportunity to really kind of, you know, articulate all the underlying assumptions that the couple is operating on and, you know, you know, send them on their way feeling even more secure in their relationship to each other because all the stones have been flipped over and, and we've kind of, we've gone there. Mm. Yeah. It's, wow. it's a very a lovely experience. And it's something that, you know, I would wish for most um, couples getting married because it only fortifies the, the, you know, the bond they have. I like that. I, I was, I was just wondering about that. Cause I would imagine that would be just so such a good foundation for people to launch from when they mm-hmm. are uh, making that step to forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and as you know, as we know, like, you know, when you're young, you probably are hyper-focused on, on now or the next 12 months. And so part of what we are doing is helping them look farther down the road to, you know, things that we can predict are going to happen in the life of a couple and sort of, you know, start just, you know, getting a sense to make sure that they're they're allied in kind of the the view that they have that or the assumptions that they're bringing to the decision making. Mm, mm. So so before I let you go, uh, um, and I, I've enjoyed this conversation very much, uh, run through one more time about when should people make the decision? Like when when should be the moment where somebody says, you know what, uh, we're in trouble here or. I don't think we're in trouble, but we might be in trouble. Uh, we need to probably make a phone call. Let's just make a phone call and see somebody. I mean, it's a it's a great question. I think the answer, it always has to be about like not intellectualizing it, but feeling. When that feeling comes, when you feel lonely, when you feel neglected, when you feel, you know, like and maybe, you know, like angry, but you know, you just sort of are like, I'm I'm putting all of my energies into trying to reach this person and none of it is working. Like, you know, I need assistance sort of, you know, bridging the gap or restoring the communication or navigating the conflict. Um, that's when I would pick up the phone. Yeah. I'd say I'm not head. It's just a very, it's a very individual decision, right? And so it has to be based in someone's sort of feelings. And, uh, you know, there are certain people who are are much, much more able to sort of let things roll off them. There's people for whom this hurts them greatly, sort of conflict or, you know, neglect. So everyone is different. And so to come back to a, a, a question you had asked, I encourage people, pick up the phone, call the couples therapist, explain where you're at. You know, you could talk about being ambivalent or you could talk about not being sure it's time. Um, no one's going to try to drag you into it. We're, we're all, you know, we're all quite busy after the pandemic. And <laughs> therefore, um, you know, get an objective viewpoint about, you know, you know, is there sort of material to work with? And is this an individual issue? Is this a couple issue? And if it's a couple issue, is your partner willing to sort of lean into the process? Mm. Well, I've appreciated this conversation very much, uh, Robert Reard, and I've learned a great deal uh, about uh, couple couples and couples going into therapy. And should I ever get coupled again, I might have to give you a call. Keep us in mind. <laughs> 
Um, I appreciate it. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much. And good luck in the practice. Uh, I hope you come on again. Please take care. Thank you. Thank you. Take good care. Bye -bye. All right. Bye-bye. That was a good conversation, Harry Droz. Did you learn something, Harry Droz? I felt like I did. I felt like I did. Uh, so I had to get the question in, Harry, about does he take a side? Because, you know, because well, I know you, you all, I know you all about that side thing. <laughs> you know, I'm over here my first day back, and I'm being, there's an onslaught of people talking to me over here. Oh, okay. You know? Yeah, so well, I didn't get to hear everything. I'm going to have to go back. They got to go back and listen because it was good. Yeah. I, I enjoyed him very much. So what did he say about taking sides? No, he doesn't. He's he's mature enough that he doesn't get into that. <laughs> Wait a minute. That that makes no sense. <laughs> he's on the side of health. He's on the side of health and wellness. <laughs> no, you you know, when somebody's right, they're right. <laughs> okay, Harry. Uh uh, you you got his you got his thing. You might. You might need to get yourself into a couple of things <laughs> by your damn self. <laughs> That's the thing. I'm like, if if a therapist can't state the obvious, then then I might as well be in therapy by myself. <laughs> yeah, you you yeah, you go on and work on that issue because I, I don't want to see Karen. I don't want to see Karen locked up for pushing you down. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean when we tried it, I mean we we tried it. I don't know how much it worked, but, you know, we, we were going through a lot of problems back then. Well, it must have worked because you're you're almost 50 years in. So, you know, 40 well, you know, years in. We, uh, I think we, I especially took the stubborn hard route. Didn't want to hear much advice from anybody, especially, what you know, like I like I was stating my state of mind there when I say I want a, a person to say you're right because that's what I wanted. I wanted affirmation that I was the one you know in the right in the in, in our issues, but it doesn't work that way. Nope. So you know I'm fully aware it doesn't work that way because it didn't work that way. When I, was... <laughs> I, I know from experience. <laughs> I can tell you it didn't work that way. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was that was uh, Robert Reardon, and uh, that was a good conversation. So tomorrow, Harry, uh, I've got a guest tomorrow. Karen, Karen Droz's folks, the domestic uh, violence walk folks are coming on tomorrow. Yeah. So I'm yeah, I know. I, I sent out the invite today, the Zoom info. So. Oh, you did? Oh, so I didn't have to do it. You did it? <laughs> I did it. <laughs> You know, I, I uh, this morning I got a reminder, um, and it wasn't on my phone or anything. It was in my ear. Make oh. sure you send that invite and all that. So, oh, good, 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 good. If they have a flyer, Harry, make sure they send you send you the flyer if they got a flyer yeah. about it. And because uh, I, I would imagine people from domestic violence are going to come on, so we can have that conversation because it's uh, Domestic Violence Awareness Month too. So. Yeah, I mean it's it's one of those issues that for me it seems to get swept under the rug. Oh, it <laughs> does. Know? It's it like does. there's so much, especially during COVID. There was so much. I know domestic violence because people couldn't get out the house. Could they couldn't get away from 
they had no place to go. There's no other place yeah. they could be. So, so yeah. So yeah, yeah so I'm looking yeah. forward to that conversation tomorrow was, at ten fifteen. It was literally sleeping with the enemy when you. Yeah, you know, I know. COVID. But. All right, I'm out. I'll be back tomorrow, good people. Thanks, Harry. Welcome right. back. See you tomorrow. You're listening to Love Bad's Love Talk on WNHHLP 103.5 FM, your home. Your home for community radio. Cue music. Love.